Okay, I'm going to do a countdown. How's that sound? Okay, a recording in five, four, three. I'm Robbie McDonald. And I'm Jordan Lee. We're two writers who've been friends for 15 years. Recently, we both discovered we have the shared experience of figuring out we have ADHD in midlife. Holy Shit, I Have ADHD is a platform for adults discovering their neurodivergence, as well as a way to spread awareness of ADHD. This is a podcast about ADHD, hosted by two people with ADHD. While each episode has a general theme, our meandering trains of thought mean we often cover several other themes in the process. We are not experts, simply two people sharing their experiences of discovering their ADHD in midlife. If you suspect you or someone you know may have ADHD, speaking to a medical professional should be part of your discovery journey. Excellent. That felt, and we're recording. That felt very professional, Jordan. That's probably how we... Thank you. It was a lot of fun to do. <laughs> That's probably how we should do it all the time, just so we're all synced and lined up. Yeah, I'll get a, uh, I'll get a clapboard uh, for our next, next <laughs> recording. <laughs> Amazing. That sounds great. I'm really vibing on your shirt today. It's very trippy-dippy. Thank you. Yeah, um, it, uh, I, I did this one myself uh, last summer, I guess it was. Really? Um, so I did a bunch of tie-dye stuff, including a pair of uh, white painter pants. Uh, so I'll have, to, I'll have to bust those out sometime. <laughs> yes, please. That just like lifts my spirit seeing that for some reason. Yeah. Are you going to start like being a psilocybin expert now? <laughs> no, no I think uh, I, I think that's part of part of the past. Although interestingly, um, you know, something that I've been looking into a little bit uh, on the advice of my counselor was mm. um, uh, ketamine therapy for treatment resistant depression. Um, mm. I guess there's a new chair at the U of C that's really kind of focusing on some of that research around uh, ketamine and depersonalization, dissociation, and some of the benefits that, that can have for people with treatment resistant depression. So. Yeah. Oh, I have heard about ketamine before, but I haven't looked too far into it. So, so that's interesting. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, I'm just kind of keeping my eye out for like, if they need research subjects or whatnot. Um, mm -hmm. But that said, uh, you know, I've started a couple new medications recently, and I have actually noticed my mood lifting. So that's been, um, you know, uh, it, it, it's made the day to day easier, certainly. And mm -hmm. I'm definitely feeling like I'm getting more stuff done. So Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because uh, it can be so tricky, right? Trying to navigate uh, both ADHD and, um, and depression and, you know, like sometimes medications don't work together and, or one kind of cancels out the effect of the other or, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely tricky. I was, I was starting to kind of question whether I might I uh, need to explore some additional things, but I, I'm not there yet. Um, like I'm still taking uh, the full quest, right? So uh, that seems to be okay, but I'm not sure if it's hormonal or if I'm, if I'm like low in serotonin. I, I don't know yet. I think it's something I'll have to kind of just really monitor pretty closely. And, and like, I don't, I, did you see that meme that was floating around? Well, it was a, a tweet by, um, I think Dylan Finch is the poster's name on, uh, in, on Twitter. And they were saying, not sure if it's ADHD, global pandemic crisis or whatever, if we all just need to go lie down. Like, it's yeah. kind of like, yeah. So I'm just kind of in holding space, like, just like, okay, so is it, am I, 
Am I in need of another medical intervention on top of what I'm already being treated for? Or is this more existential, uh, just like dread um, yeah. from the world that we just happen to be living in right now? It's so hard to, it's so hard to call it, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, I have heard about ketamine and um, we've been kind of looking into, we watched the documentary on on Netflix about mushrooms, magic mushrooms, I think it was called. I think it might be mm-hmm. a couple of years old, but uh, there has been a lot of excitement around psilocybin. And I, and I know folks in Silicon Valley are using it to be more productive because that's what they do. Um, but there there has been some like preliminary research for ADHD that it can be helpful in some situations. Um, so I'm really curious about it. But I think the only way that I would consider it is if I had sort of like not take my medication for a couple days and then maybe explored like a super small dose. I had a friend who also has ADHD and she said she tried one of them and then just promptly fell asleep. So that was fun. (laughs) So, I mean, it's kind of like, I don't think it's a really hardcore thing. And you know, we've said this before, but this is not a prescriptive podcast and we're not recommending anything, but it's just like a curiosity that, that, that I have um, Mm -hmm. to just kind of learn how to be, learn how to be in this world with a different brain um, that just doesn't feel so anxious and agitated all the time. Yeah. You know? Um, so speaking of anxiety and agitation, mm. that's kind of what we're going to be focusing on today mm. is, uh, you know, talking about c- kind of catastrophic thinking, spiral thinking, anxiety, positive reinforcement cycles, all that stuff. But um, before yeah. we get started, I was curious, one last thing on the medication front. Mm-hmm. Um, do you take your FoQuest uh, on the weekends or do you take a break from it? Or excuse me, do you take a break from it or do you take it every day? Uh, well, lately I have been taking mini breaks. And so when I was on that retreat, I think there was two full days I didn't take it. And then um, sometimes on the weekend. And like I think I mentioned in last week's episode, if I have um, a bout with insomnia, I've learned after hard, learned the hard way um, through uh, trial and error that if I take it when I haven't slept well, it it doesn't work. In fact, it just makes me feel kind of crappy. Like I've, so um, yeah. That's my long way of answering that I, I'm I'm not 100% consistent with it, but at the same time, it's so bloody expensive that, and I don't have medical coverage right now. So in a way, sometimes I feel like I'm rationing too. It's like, oh, I don't have anything going on today. Maybe I just won't take it and, you know, save myself, save that pill for a day that I need it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I, I can sympathize with, with both the financial end of that. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I stopped taking them on the weekends uh, mm. lately, both as kind of a way to help me structure a little bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for, In, intentionality about rest and having fun and that kind of stuff, um, mm. because it's very tempting to just like work, work, work all the time because, you know, nobody but me is around to push me to do this stuff. Mm. So I kind of got to, I feel like I'm always obligated to be producing. Um, But, you know, recognizing that it's important for my happiness to make sure I build in rest and build in fun and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, so I've just kind of been, um, maybe it's like me subconsciously linking, taking that medication to like productivity or work mode. Um, But I've just, uh, just taken a break from it on the weekends um, as you know, partly a reset, partly, like you say, a money-saving measure. So, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and I do find I do sleep a little bit better 
Uh, I will say that for the most part, the full quest has not interrupted my sleep. That's not usually the cause of insomnia for me. Uh, it's, uh, I think, hormonal and existential. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, it's it's good to think of it that way, Jordan. I think that is kind of healthy. And I and I have you know run across other folks from the ADHD community who say the same thing. They have full time jobs and they're they just need that kind of time on the weekend to not not have to feel like, yeah, churning stuff out or, you know, being sort of like on their, on their game. Like it's good to just zone out. <laughs> totally. I feel like I'm definitely jonesing for more zone outs lately. Just like, I just want to stare out the window. Why is there so much to do? Ah. <laughs> well, and, and going back there to how you were saying that if you're not rested, you don't feel like the medication's effective. Um, mm. I, I can totally relate to that. And because it's like, you know, if, you're, if your baseline of, of kind of rest and mental well-being isn't there, um, medication or, or, you know, ADHD medication, it's just going to make you kind of do nothing faster. Yeah. Um, and that's a phrase I stole from my friend Raz. So shout out Raz. Mm. Uh, but yeah, um, like it, it's it's one of those things where it's like what your body needs is rest, but by putting those stimulants in it, you've got this kind of like agitated feeling, mm. and that's obviously not conducive to resting. But you're also probably still not going to have the kind of focus or clarity to get stuff done. So you're just like hyper body aware and like mind racing, um, mm -hmm. focusing on, on how you're not producing right now and how you're fucking up and, and, you know, all these kind of negative self-talk things. It just makes that stuff go faster sometimes. So. Right. Yeah. I could just be like super zippy with my self-flagellation when I'm just like, <laughs> like, that is not really like what the goal is. Right. Because generally, yeah, if I have, if I have slept well and I'm feeling good and I have it with food at the right time of day, uh, it doesn't have that agitating effect on me. It does help me to stay calm and I can focus and, and get uh, things done. And sometimes I even feel pretty smart. So, you know, the, <laughs> the, those are those are all good feelings. But yeah, like the day that I came back from the retreat was a classic example of that. Not enough sleep, taking the meds, agitated, and then being distracted in situations where it was really important that I actually be focused and calm. Uh, you know, it didn't cause me any harm per se, just my suitcase, but like it, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, good to, to be aware of that now and to just say, okay, it's not, it's, it's not, um, what's the word? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not failing when I don't take my medication. In fact, it can yeah. actually be kind of a self-care sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, as I set up a little bit earlier, uh, spiral mm. thinking, catastrophizing, uh, mm. thought loops, all that kind of stuff is kind of the main subject for today. Um, yeah. so yeah, I don't know. I was thinking that we could, um, talk about kind of our own experiences with that, um, mm. strategies that we've maybe found to kind of, uh, help get out of those and, uh, and yeah, and, and kind of whatever else you want to explore. That sounds great, Jordan. Yeah. Cool. Um, and like I said, when we were texting earlier, it just feels so timely, um, just because the world is so fraught right now. And like, I actually woke up today and I wrote this down, like, like it just feels like this hyper individualistic, um, sort of way of being in the world that capitalism has just like perpetuated, um, and all this, you know, quote, freedom bullshit and and 
It just feels like there are really entitled people holding everybody else hostage and keeping everybody else from like having the life and getting to do what we want to do. And it just makes me really wonder on a really deep level, like how are we ever going to learn to be able to trust each other again if it's just like this constant sort of uh, friction between like, you know, what one person thinks is their is their freedom and what another person um, just wants to be safe and not die, you know? And uh, it just like that one, just like that spiral this morning, I, my hands were shaking. Cause I just like, yeah. and I d- haven't even looked at the news until like later in the day. It was just a feeling that I had. I don't even look at Twitter on Tuesdays. Um, but it just, yeah, just this feeling of kind of like, what are, what, like, you know, we've spent the last 18 months and like for anybody paying attention to what COVID can do, it's like, for, well, for me personally, I should say, I've just been afraid of other people's breath. Like, I'm just afraid that someone's going to breathe on me. I'm going to carry it, pass it on to somebody more vulnerable, like my senior neighbor or anybody in my apartment building. Um, and Or maybe I'll get sick, right? Because I've got all these like weird, mysterious conditions. Maybe it will kind of nail me to the ground. and um, Or maybe Oswaldo will get it. And and like that, that thinking, it just sometimes it just grips me and it's really hard for me to just, to just say, okay, well, you know, it's a personal choice or whatever, like some people are saying. And I'm just like, oh, so that, that's the spiral that I'm kind of contending with today because it's hard for me to get beyond that feeling of fear. I just feel stricken. I just feel like I just want to scream. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally understand that. Um, it's, it's been you know, we talked about this on that one episode, uh, Groundhog Day again. Um, <laughs> that it's, it's just been a total, a total failure, uh, policy level, every mm. level of government, um, to to do anything to kind of like manage this. It, everybody's just looking out for the economics end of it, and and mm. yeah, and and it's really kind of. Um, for better or worse, I've learned a lot about the people in my life the last year and a half um, in terms of, like, who's willing to do what when, mm. who really kind of, like, takes things seriously, and who's just kind of, like, um, yeah, kind of wanting to get back to, quote, normal mm. um, and, and not really kind of looking at long-term big picture stuff. And that's been, you know, it's it's been eye-opening uh, for both better and worse. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, you know, like you, you see some sides of people that you wouldn't expect, which is, which is yeah, it, it's hard not to then get into a spiral around that and wonder, you know, who can you trust? Mm. Um, what, what are everyone's motivations? I'm personally, um, I tend towards believing that everyone's good until proven otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's hard to, to reconcile that with what, uh, with what you see happening around you. So. Right. Yeah. And that is true. And it's, and it's so, one of the things I, I kind of bump up against all the time is, and is, leaping to conclusions based on like someone's behavior uh, out in a public space or whatever. And me too. And I have to really, I'm really trying to catch that in myself because sometimes there is somebody behaving a bit erratically in a store. um, And, and it could be just because they're, you know, they've lost their job or something, you know, has happened to them or they've lost somebody in their life uh, to the virus or they, just they've just had a bad day and I, and I'm just yeah. trying so hard not to not to judge people in that and I even caught myself yesterday I felt like I felt like the lady at the store with the attitude because 
I'm in there with my mask or whatever, and it's always hard to hear with my hearing loss. And I, I have yet to figure out a system that can help me navigate that. It's just sometimes it's more frustrating than others. And sometimes I speak really quietly because I'm afraid of talking too loud. So uh, that with the mask and the plexiglass, um, the, the cashier had asked me if I needed a paper bag and my reusable bags uh, were full. I was getting some fruit and vegetables at the other place. So I stopped to get some butter or something at one of the bigger stores. And she asked me if I needed a bag and I said, yes, I did. But then she didn't get the bag because she didn't hear me. And then mm. we just kind of went through this whole thing where there's like this big sign, you know, saying that they're not accepting cash, but she wanted me to pay pay cash of 15 cents for this bag. And I was just like, if you had just heard me say, you could have just added it to the tally and we wouldn't have been through this. But like her, I could tell she was a bit frustrated and clipped, but I I really had to stop myself from getting angry with her because I know the crap the cashiers deal with day in and day out. And I don't want to be that lady. But then I leave the store with that feeling, with that feeling of anger and frustration. And then I just have to manage that and find a way to release it. Because um, usually, by, you know, by the time I get home, I've kind of moved on to other things to worry about. <laughs> um, but that one, I just felt like that's just kind of, it's like those little like banalities of the day-to-day that seem to kind of add up sometimes. You know, like um, just wanting, you know, wanting to do the right thing environmentally and not cut down another fucking tree so I have somewhere to put my butter. But then like... There's nowhere to put it. So like, what do I do? So I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is, this is better than plastic, but is it? Because, oh God, like the Fairy Creek thing and what are the RCMP doing? And they're such assholes and why, like, and that's where my brain goes. Like, I can't just like, yeah, no, it's good. I'll just carry the butter in my hand. I can't just like do something so basic. And then like, that's exactly what you mean by like the spiral thinking, right? It's like this interaction had me thinking about all those things in like moments, like, it happened so fast. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie, you absolutely beautifully illustrated a spiral there. It was it was so, so, so perfect. And especially what I liked about that example that you just gave mm. was truly it was a spiral because a spiral starts with a, a, a narrow uh, rotation. It, it goes around itself once. And then, of course, as the mass of the spiral grows as it grows around itself, it gets wider and wider and bigger and bigger. Mm. And that was just such a perfect example of you starting at (laughs) yourself and your individual choice about whether to get a a paper bag or not, and then extrapolating outwards (laughs) to like the environmental impact and then outwards again to like, police violence in Fairy Creek and what's going on there. And like that, that was absolutely like, chef's kiss perfect so bravo for that (laughs) thanks jordan and then that was one i hadn't even thought about until we started talking sometimes i'll think about what i want to share but today that was just one that was weighing on me so i really appreciate you saying that because it's yeah um what about you what kind of spirals are you kind of dealing with these days my god i go through them all the time um of course the biggest ones are Um, Well, a lot of the stuff that we talked about last week about how I feel like I'm uh, a writer who doesn't write, Mm. etc. All that kind of stuff is, is, yeah, it's it's very um, self-reinforcing. There's a positive feedback loop there um, where because I haven't done anything for a while, I feel like I'm I'm never going to do anything again. 
And then mm. when I do kind of get the energy or the desire to do something, it's hard to kind of actually start sometimes and not in a procrastination way, but in a like, you know, I haven't written something for a while, so the next thing I write better be good. Mm. And of course, that's the totally fucking bass ackwards wrong attitude to take towards it because mm -hmm. getting something done is better than getting nothing done. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like like John said on when we had him on the show, um, quoting Oscar Wilde, I put in a period before lunch and after lunch I removed it or whatever. Right. right yeah. Um, yeah. And and so so that's a big one for me is that self-reinforcing thing of of because I haven't done something, I'm never gonna do it. Mm. And um feeling like I've kind of uh lost my touch or um uh what's what's oh i'm i'm washed that's that's the slang that i was trying to think oh. of you know like you're washed up you can't do stuff anymore mm. um and that's kind of like yeah that, that that's a spiral i go through constantly um i'm sure that happens to creative people all the time but uh especially someone like me who's getting towards their 40s um you know and kind of like has not ever had any sort of like artistic success quote unquote like I've done stuff that was fun and I'm pleased with and there was an audience for it but mm. you know it never paid my bills or anything like that and so there's kind of like a yeah that, that, that's a, a real big voice in my head sometimes is like well should you be focusing on other things and like you know um uh being quote unquote more of a professional and being like a more career oriented person and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, and then, you know, so then I'll go down another spiral about that where it's like, okay, so let's say I do want to do that. What's going on? Well, I haven't uh, been employed by someone other than myself for coming up on two years now. Um, mm. I uh, am, uh, I, I have kind of, yeah, I have a really weird skill set that's like most of the skill set of someone with a library sciences background, mm. um, but then also kind of half of the skill set to do data science. Uh, all of these librarian archivist jobs that I could conceivably do, you absolutely need a master's uh, library science degree for. <sighs> um, I don't even have a BA of any or, or a bachelor of any sort, um, mm. you know, so... So there, there, there's that element of it where it's like, okay, well, I would have to go back to school. And then it's like, okay, well, what if I leaned into the data scientist thing? You know, I have um, a really good understanding of how data is structured, um, natural language processing, a bunch of different kinds of needs for, um, you know, data science, data visualization, some sort of uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning work. Um, but then it's like, again... I have half of that skill set. What I don't have is the coding background that you need and like, you know, possibly a database engineer background, that sort of stuff. So I'm looking at going to school either way. Um, you know, if, if I wanted to kind of really lean into trying to find like a corporate professional career again. Mm. And then I go through this other spiral of like remembering how fucking difficult <laughs> school was for me and, uh. and especially post-secondary, <sighs> you know, and, and, and it, it, there's, I, I can tell myself that, you know, that was a long time ago. I'm much more mature now. I have a much better understanding of myself and my brain and what I need to succeed in those environments, mm -hmm. but it's hard not to, 
look back on my batting average with school and being like, is this fucking doomed from the start? And then on top of that, it's like, okay, so let's say I do want to go back to school. I have to take on some sort of debt to do that. Mm -hmm. um, Because again, I'm not really working full time right now. And so that's another thing of like, can I afford to do this? Can I afford to come into a new field being low man on the totem pole 40 plus uh say another 10 grand in student debt suddenly and again i have no real real guarantor that that's going to be successful and that's you know one spiral turns into three and you know i'm just like back in bed being like (laughs) yep i guess uh you know things are just going to be the same as they are forever (laughs) isn't that fantastic Speaking of like brilliantly articulated spirals, I'm so that resonates on so many levels for me as well. But just like, yeah, I know that feeling of just like you think about all the different ways that it's going to be impossible to do something. So then you do nothing. Right. It's just like, why don't I just go check Twitter to see what kind of assholery is out there today? And then inertia is so much easier, right? Yeah. Inertia is so much easier. And then why don't I just like feel bad because all these people seem to be mastering this friggin app that's like addictive and scary um but i just i feel your pain and thank you for sharing about it because i always see you as this like super accomplished person who's done so many things in your life so like i would never say you haven't had artistic success because in my mind you have right and you're also somebody that was able to navigate a very complex rapidly growing um job like or in in it in a place that's you know like globally known i.e getty images like and you did that for over a decade and i think those things are impressive accomplishments um so i just want to say like even though you might feel like what your skill set is might not be um what the what the skill sets are that you think people need i still think it's marketable i still think you are like a person that would just be so wonderful to work with for anybody who needs that kind of stuff, right? And then, and because if it existed once, it must exist somewhere else in a slightly different sure. form. So I guess that's just my way as your friend to just saying that, like, maybe you don't need to, like, go down the education um, debt hole uh, to get where you need to be, right? Um, that there probably will be other ways that you can um, find your way into something that makes sense for you, Um but yeah, I'm just, I, I just, I'm so familiar with that idea too of just like, okay, I need, I, uh, today was, yeah, it was a, in addition to feeling like as a society we've lost our way, I also feel the, the kind of panic of like, I need, I need more income, right? Like it just is. I feel like I might be needing another dental procedure, which is just like, I'm just so not, yeah, last thing you need. not lucky in that way, right? Um, but, uh, and, and people listening, I floss like a motherfucker. It is not that like, it is just, it's genetic. It's just like, I take such good care of my teeth and I don't eat garbage, but, uh, it's just, yeah. So I feel that, that kind of like, uh, tension and pressure and, um, and I was just working on my resume stuff yesterday and, and yeah, just kind of feeling like, uh, it's challenging. And I was looking at Carrie Twig on LinkedIn today and she was saying, you know, like if you've had these kind of like odd career paths and it's even more important for you to like highlight that instead of trying to hide it um and and I feel like that's part of what I was doing uh shortly after my old job was trying to kind of hide behind kind of banal jargony things that would make me sound like a quote thought leader 
total garbage. Like it's just like, come on, man. Like I've just, I've never been able to tolerate or endure like, um, long-term kind of uh, mediocrity in a work environment. I just can't handle it. So I need to like say that like, and just like, or maybe not say it like out loud on LinkedIn in all caps or anything like that, but just like embody that, like just accept that about myself that, um, there are indeed places in the world and ways to make money that, that don't involve, um, just complete soul shutdown. And just like <laughs> speaking language that nobody else on the planet speaks, but you only speak it in that office. Like I just, jargon really irritates the crap out of me. I just find it so lazy because you can just use plain language. You don't actually have to come up with all these different things to be a quote insider. That's my opinion. Um, anyway, that was just sort of my little way of saying like, yeah, it's, uh, and, and I realized that that's kind of like a, I feel that in the air right now. I feel like a lot of people are like, okay, like I need to be making enough money to survive. Like what the fuck? Um, and then, you know, we're going into election. There's all these other things happening and it's just like, come on, man, throw me a bone. Like this project that I thought was going to be sort of sustaining. It doesn't look like now that's happening or at least not in the way that I thought it would. Um, I wasn't, I was, oh, this is, I didn't even tell you about this. So I applied to this thing um, at SFU called the, uh, community capacity building certificate. It's like a six month part-time program, uh, for people that want to learn how to build intentional communities around, um, social justice or just like moving the needle on things that matter. Um, and I applied for it just kind of like, eh, cause it's a funded program. So it wouldn't cost me anything. Right. So I was like, yeah, all right. Okay. So I'm just going to like put in this thing and like, maybe I can, maybe this would be a way to kind of explore how to build like a more intentional community around neurodivergence, around hearing loss, disabilities. What I didn't even know. Like I basically kind of vomited out this two page thing uh, and then found out last week that I got accepted into the program out of a really competitive field. Oh my yeah. God. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. There's only like 40 people getting into this thing. And I was like, Oh my God. Okay. Ah. <laughs> um, so, but I immediately thought something's going to happen and, and they're going to say, we made a mistake and you're not the right person for this, or the government doesn't want to fund your, your thing or whatever. Um, so it's just interesting because like in a big part of me is super, super excited about the idea of doing that. Yeah. Um, the other part of me is like, okay, but that also means I can only do part-time and contract work now. Um, which is also kind of like what I've sort of been trying to do anyway. So like, why am I, this is a, like, here it goes, right? It's just like, okay, this thing's happening, but then it's not going to happen. Or if it does happen, oh God, how am I going to make enough money? And that's been happening for me over the last week. And that's been like, I haven't even wanted to say too much publicly about it because I'm almost certain someone's going to pull the plug or pull the rug out. Um, And it's, yeah, that, that feeling of just like, oh my God, like this would be so amazing. And I would learn so much about actually building truly equitable, decolonized groups of people around a shared passion, right? Like I, like my first thought was that it would be something that I could like um, do something like where you and I could like build something together, like beyond the podcast with this, right? Like that was kind of like an original thought, but I was afraid to tell you about it because if they said no, I didn't want to get you excited and then I right. also didn't want to just like assume that you would even be interested in something like that. Right. So it was kind of like, yeah, brain. 
Give me a... Well, of course I'm interested. Um, and yeah, uh, I, I hope to God that nothing uh, <laughs> gets in the way of this thing uh, coming to fruition. But in any scenario, you got chosen and that's, that's enough for a, a big pat on the back. That's awesome. Oh, thanks, Jordan. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it feels like the things I want to be doing. Like it feels, uh, you know, one of the challenges that I that I had in my old job is that uh, there's something called the period promise campaign, which kind of sits underneath the umbrella of my old, the old nonprofit that I used to work for. Um, but it was actually the brainchild of these two incredibly inspiring women who I have so much respect for. And they, they started it and then they, they're kind of part of, um, I, I would say like a, a community of, uh, of women and, and women identifying people, just women, I guess, um, here in Vancouver to, um, do more about period poverty. And uh, the, the co-chair of it, uh, Nikki Hill, is she's a big lobbyist now, but she's just like so inspiring. And I remember thinking, like, this is more of like the kind of work that I want to be doing, not just writing tweets about it. Like, I actually want to be like involved more in this. And, and I see that Madeline Shaw, who's involved with it, she's just written a, a book. And, you know, and so that kind of thing is what gets me like, uh, feeling more excited than can you just drop a work back plan about this thing that we're going to do in six months and and write a script that we're not going to listen to and we'll just like do it our own way anyway you do that and then we're going to have 20 meetings about it fuck <laughs> <laughs> like, just like that doesn't yeah um that, that it, so yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, I was going to say, quick aside, can you can you explain period poverty for people who might not be familiar with that of phrase? Of course, yeah. Um, I can speak as somebody who has lived experience of that when I was younger. Uh, it means that for women and anybody who menstruates, that uh, when that time of the month comes, uh, you have to make a choice between buying pads and tampons or food. And uh, people all over the world face that all the time. And um, the, the period promise movement was designed to help address that and eradicate it. So um, by providing menstrual products for free in all public washrooms, by um, making sure that they're in schools, public spaces, and, and that has already started to happen. Um, and when the pandemic hit and people were like going to community centers for food to also have access to period products as well. So, um, yeah, I, I know... Uh, when I was younger, I, yeah, I had, I experienced that a few times. It was like a hard choice. It was like, do I eat or uh, do I buy menstrual products today? And no one should have to make that choice. And that, that's like at the core of what that, and I think that's something that I would have to credit Nikki Hill was saying originally is like that no one should have to choose between food and period um, products. Uh, so, yeah, for those that aren't familiar with that, it, it has become Scotland, I guess, was one of the first countries to like mandate it nationally that everywhere public would have uh, would have that available at no cost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, thank you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and I'm sorry that you that you went through that. Um, I have definitely, though, seen that 
you know, strides are being made. Uh, definitely like universities and stuff have, have mm. those machines in there and they're usually free these days. Um, but yeah, that's, that's great to kind of expand it to more public spaces. And I didn't even think about the, um, the kind of food bank angle of it, uh, mm. you know, donating menstrual products there. So that's really smart. Yeah. No, and it, and it is nice to see that that movement and, uh, is still happening and it's, uh, you know, being capably and wonderfully led by a group of incredible people. But when I see things like that, people that are actually doing something that they see, um, they see needs to be addressed. And that's more where I want my energy to be. Um, in, uh, yeah. So when I, when I look at this SFU community capacity thing, I was like, holy smokes. Yeah. I could learn, actually learn how to do this properly. How to, how to properly, project manage things, how to properly like, uh, build a kind of a cohesive narrative and, a and, a build some, uh, momentum around, around these things. Um, that gets me pretty, pretty darn stoked. I'll tell you, Jordan Lane. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of getting pretty darn stoked, um, I'm not talking about like a manic episode here, but do you ever find yourself spiral thinking in a positive way mm. of just like something good happens and then that kind of expands outward into just like, ha, ah, nothing is wrong with the universe. <laughs> Every molecule of air is vibrating with its utmost purity. <laughs> oh, let me think if I can think of something recent. Um I'm going to have to think about that. Do you have a recent example? Because I don't right now. Um, I got into, like I said, my mood has been steadily going upwards. And the other night I got into something. Um, and <laughs> this is this is kind of a side of myself that I maybe don't like to talk about. But um, something that I do find motivating is when I see other people that I know aren't as you know, smart or talented as me succeeding in something. <laughs> and I see, I see somebody really winning in something that it's like, I know that I could do that better than this guy's doing it. And that kind of gets, gets it through and lets me get to a place of like, you know, um, yeah, you know what you are like capable of doing this thing and you're actually probably capable of doing it better than some of the people out there who are doing it really well. Mm. Um, you know, and that kind of, uh, gets out to, you know, not necessarily um, picking out luxury yachts on Forbes.com or something, but, um, you know, the idea that like, hey, yeah, maybe I could like, because again, every time I think to myself about, um, at the times where I even deign to consider the possibility that I might be uh, uh, making a living off of, you know, artistic pursuits of some stripe someday mm. it's always um the scenario that i always set up for myself as like the best case scenario is like oh yeah you know i'll be like super hand to mouth and and like you know <laughs> uh uh sprouting mung beans uh for protein and all this kind of stuff but i'll be doing what i want and you know it never even crosses my mind that like hey what if you actually made a bunch of money off of this and you mm -hmm. know like and people really liked it like that's that's uh, a, a rare possibility, but it's a possibility. Um, and yeah, so I, I did get into one of those um, happy spirals. Uh, I think that was late last week or maybe on the weekend. But um, uh, yeah, just, just kind of like, oh yeah, everybody else is pretty fucking average too. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, if you can, yeah, that's, I've not had that particular one, but I really like that, that just this, the idea of, oh, if you see somebody who you know, you know, may not necessarily be like a genius, even though that world is, that word is so questionable and 
subject of any way. But yeah, if you see them like thriving and doing well, like what's to stop you from thriving and doing well, right? Yeah. And rather than feeling jealous or envious about it, feel like, oh, that's actually there to show me that it's that it is possible. Exactly. Not not being a hater mm-hmm. and not fucking getting onto that person's Instagram and being like, uh, <laughs> oh, your shit sucks, blah. <laughs> or, you know, like fucking tweeting at them or something like that and, and trying to cut someone else mm. down, but just being like, oh yeah, no, like society rewards mediocrity like a lot. Yeah. So, you know, may- maybe I shouldn't be uh, uh, putting so much pressure on myself to, to like I said earlier, make every, make the next piece of writing the best one or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just like, in a lot of cases, it really just is about that, that consistency. Right. Um, yeah. And persistence. Have you seen the movie, The Founder? Um, I have. Um, I had mixed feelings about it. Um, and, and, and that's not to say that like it was supposed to be a, a kind portrait of a good man or something. Um, but I guess, yeah, this is something I'm trying to get out of. But I, I, I'm really noticing about myself and about a lot of people, I feel like this is 90% of Twitter, mm. is not even just having opinions on things, but it's having opinions about other people's opinions. <laughs> And so yeah. a lot of the stuff I was seeing around the founder was like, oh my God, I didn't know that Ray Kroc was a piece of shit. Whoa, maybe the McDonald's corporation is bad? And I'm oh like, like, what? How, How is this news know? to any of you people? Like, what the fuck? And so again, that's I allowed that to color my perception of that movie going in. Mm. That like, everyone but me is dumb. <laughs> everyone but me doesn't know that multinational fast food chains are maybe destructive to the environment and human. <laughs> everyone but me is a fucking idiot and you know it was like a well-made movie mm. uh, a, a well-constructed portrait of a kind of piece of shit person but sorry that was a long detour what what about the founder well, th- i think it's a key example of somebody who was fundamentally mediocre but who surrounded himself with really smart people and in fact mm. stole the ideas of two very smart, hardworking men who seemed, you know, by, and I'd heard the story before. I knew that he sort of like painted himself as like the self-made gazillionaire, but in fact, he he had all these other people that did all the work for him. Um, But yeah, I I just remember at the beginning, he's listening to some like Dale Carnegie record or something. And it just, he just talks about persistence being the key to the case. Right. So it's funny how mediocre people, um, people with less than ideal moral, or no moral compass whatsoever, but they're persistent and they just find good lawyers and they just manage to somehow like, I don't know, just perpetuate suffering because, you know, employees of these organizations don't make shit and the food is yuck. I don't remember the last time I ate there. But what was interesting is we, as Oldon is talking about how when I was traveling like in the late 90s or something, and sometimes if, if I was feeling kind of hungover or sad or homesick, I would go get some McDonald's French fries because at least I knew what I was going to get, right? And then, like, my first trip abroad to Europe, like, at 18, uh, being in Cologne, Germany, and just thinking it was so exotic that they served the beer at McDonald's that we decided we had to have our lunch there. Like, oh, come on. Man. But, like, that that sort of, I don't know, yeah, that that idea that, there was something else that I just well to watch too that it just made me feel so depressed and so mm. sad about this is when I get into a spiral because I'm like, this is the fucking problem is that you have people that are like truly um, doing something wonderful and then there's always some white asshole that comes along and steals it and then makes all the money. 
And I just like, that just makes me feel so disheartened, you know? Um, but then, I don't know, at the same time, like if you saw something that was happening and you like found a way to monetize it and like make it abundant, that would be great. But I also, I also know you enough to know that you wouldn't do it in a way that would exploit people. Well, I would try not to certainly, but, uh, you know, exploitation, I feel like is in the eye of the exploited. Uh, uh, the, the person doing the exploiting rarely feels like they're exploiting anyone. I have to, I have to feel mm. I have to feel that doesn't make much <laughs> sense, but whatever. That that's how I feel. God damn yeah. it! Yeah, um, but I hadn't even seen any of the stuff about the founder on Twitter. It was just one of those like the algorithm said, "Watch this," and I went, "Ooh, Michael Keaton!" And then that was that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't even. I wasn't on Twitter at that point. It was more just like talking to people in my life or whatever, just kind of like water cooler talk. Mm. And just uh, yeah, and again, that that's maybe like where I, I take for granted that that everyone spent their teenage years reading fucking whatever ad busters right. and all this Fast shit. Food Nation. Um, but that's, yeah, exactly. Uh, a diet for a new America, whatever, all this kind of stuff. Um, but of course that's, that's not, um, not a fair assumption. And it's also, you know, it's not, I, I it's, it's great. I, I'm trying not to gatekeep, um, mm. Like anything as much these days. And, you know, like people knowing about this stuff is, is a net good. Um, yeah. regardless of, of how late to the game they are or, or my perceptions of that. So, yeah. Yeah. It was funny. I wasn't even going to bring that one up today, but that one was kind of haunting me a little bit. And I think that movie is mm. a little bit older. It came out a while ago. Yeah. I feel like 2015, 16, somewhere around there. Yeah. Maybe? Cause I saw that the Weinsteins were like major producers. Like when they were rolling the credits, I was like, this movie didn't just come out. Does he like, is that fucker funding things from jail? I got all outraged. And he was like, no, I'm pretty sure that's like an older movie. Cause Netflix is doing that lately. They're serving us. Things are about to take off the platform. So we watched uh, Mr. Fantastic last week, which was a, another excellent film, but um, it's an older one, like 2015, 2016. Um, yeah. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. Good one. Um, but I will say I've also been seeing, getting uh, uh, promos for the things that they're pulling and something that's coming off at the end of the month that I will recommend wholeheartedly to anyone with Canadian Netflix. Uh, watch The Naked Gun uh, before it goes off ah. because I hadn't seen that in a while and I, I have not laughed that hard the entire pandemic. Oh, it's really? Just, they don't make comedies like that anymore where it's just wall to wall, like incredibly dense with jokes. And, you know, it's not... It's not, it, it's all just slapstick. Mm. Like, it's stupid. It's, it's, it's puns and physical comedy and, like, people falling down and getting injured in a funny way. It's not politics. It's not, um, you know, uh, we're going to suddenly take a dark turn in this comedy to, like, showcase how this one character is actually abusive or whatever. And all these things that you kind of, like, take for granted now with, um, like, the need for kind of, like, I guess prestige TV kind of storytelling mm. has kind of bled into everything, I feel like. And and comedy, I, I find it harder and harder to find stuff that is just kind of, I, I want jokes. Like, I just want pure jokes sometimes. Mm. And it's harder and harder to find that stuff that's also not like, when you do find it, it's just wall-to-wall -wall reactionary jokes and like, you know, transphobia and all this kind of, uh, like, like, just, yeah. But that's so much mm. of still kind of what the, pure jokes 
comedy element feels like sometimes is it's rooted in like an older era but anyway naked gun is none of those things and it's very very funny and uh and leslie nielsen's a master may he rest in peace oh wow okay so that's actually really good to know i'll keep that in mind because i've been noticing lately that um and i know that people do this but like now i just like when i open instagram i just kind of watch cat videos and i just i send them to Osvaldo, and i just like these cats like doing all these weird things and like I don't know that just that's what my little heart can take at the moment like so I'll do that for like five or ten minutes just like scroll through some ridiculous cat videos and I'm like laughing because I need to laugh and and maybe that's what more of us could use like at the same the same time that things need to change because they're not working right now it's also good to take care of our take care of our joy and try to find some where we can you know um, mm-hmm. And and somebody said something about this. I think it was on, I think it was Beck's life. She's she has ADHD, but she's also an activist. And she said that memes are her love language and her comedy. Right? Like that's just like if she sends you a meme, then that you're 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 tight, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, right. that's cool. And I think that's true for a lot of ADHD folks. I know I get I totally like love them, love that love the memes. Used to kind of like looked at my nose at them and now i'm like no no that shit's funny i need that in my i need that in my feed right now (laughs) (laughs) so um on that note that might be a good little kind of segue into talking about strategies for dealing with catastrophizing and spiral thinking and all that kind of stuff Mm. um because yeah that's that's a great example is is um not only uh, watching something that can kind of calm you down, be that cats or um, something that that I confessed during uh, an, an improv game last week with some friends was that my big winding down mental relaxation thing is watching those uh, soap cutting videos on YouTube. Okay. Are you, are you aware I of these I do not all? know of this. No, what is this? So basically, it's like um, people just literally with like a bar of glycerin soap and an X-Acto knife or like a, a single-edged straight razor um, and just kind of filing these really, really thin slivers off of it. And it's especially uh, with like um, kind of patterned or like multicolored, multi-textured kind of soaps or whatever. It's just scraping off this little bit of it at a time just it, it, for some reason, they call it visual ASMR. So it's just, it just kind of, I find it personally very, very calming and enjoyable. Um, some of these people will like make a kind of grid of scoring it and then just like cut off a bunch of little tiny cubes all at once, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so soap cutting videos are a weird one for me that like, it kind of calms my brain down and gets my heart rate down and, and, uh, and I can just kind of zone a little bit watching them. Mm. Um, and then on the cat videos, uh, line, there's, um, this one YouTube channel that I watch of this, uh, this elderly Japanese woman who has like 16 cats and they love her. They just like, can't get enough of her. And so her channel, I think that her daughter films it, but it's often just kind of her out doing work in the garden. She'll be like, you know, pulling daikon radish and scrubbing them off. And she's got like a cat literally like sitting on her shoulder Aww. and two more like rubbing up against each other. Um, and yeah, and so it's just like very, again, kind of calming to watch someone do a little bit of work and they've got cats around them. Um Having animals around, that's another big mm. one. There's lots of like, uh, uh, what is it? I'll keep wanting to say Oxycontin, but Oxytocin. I know, I always um, get those two released. Mixed up. Yeah. Uh, same thing for me with like Sativa, Salvia, and Stevia. <laughs> 
I get those three backwards all the time. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, uh, I literally forgot what I was just about to segue into. Um, you know, Japanese cat lady, um, the uh, serotonin that comes with being around cats and dogs. Yeah, uh, having having pets. Yeah, so just like petting petting an animal, um, it releases that that dopamine, that oxytocin, uh, all that kind of stuff. And then laughter, another thing that you mentioned mm. there about that you liked about the cat videos, you know, um, any kind of vocalization I feel like is, can help kind of disrupt that stuff. Um, especially if you can get yourself talking about something other than the thing that is on your mind. Um, or maybe you talk through the thing that's on your mind. Mm -hmm. That's another thing we'll get to in a sec, but, um, yeah, like, I find for me singing, um, even if I could just have like a good cry, like not like a little, not like a little wimpy cry, but like a real yelling, fucking sobbing kind of cry. That's enough to kind of get that out, get that vagus nerve stimulation up. Mm. Um, I can't remember if I said singing or not, but mm -hmm. yeah, just like put on a song that you really like singing along to. So, yeah. Oh, those are also great, Jordan. Um one of the things I'm noticing too is if I write things down, especially first thing in the morning, like um, the artist's way brain dump, and um, I may have mentioned this one before, but that's kind of like one of the three core aspects of it. Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. I've done it a couple times. The first time was like back in 2007. Um, and I've, been, I've had that practice like on and off since. But what I find that it does for me is that if, if I'm writing down one of those spiral thoughts, especially like my hand can't even keep up with the spiral thought. So I had to slow down and like, and then I, I, it starts, I start to see just kind of how ludicrous some of what I'm thinking actually is. And it also just, then the page is kind of holding it a little more than, than my head. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't have to um, feel that kind of tightness, you know, um, and my little balcony garden is, uh, is a huge source of refuge for me. And they have done studies on this. There are microbes in soil that are actually good for you, that help your, your brain and like help you to release dopamine. So sometimes even just like sticking my hands in the dirt uh, to, you know, shove a, like a bean seed in there, or like pulling up a, a dead petunia to put something else in there. And like those things, those things help me too. And, and the plants help me to kind of, Help me to kind of develop my intuition and, and patience as well. Like the plant mm. doesn't look quite right. It doesn't necessarily mean it's dead. And that actually happened with the, with the um, lemon balm. I've, I'll take a picture. I've got this huge like lemon balm thing that's just been like growing like wild in a pot. And uh, like about a month ago, it just looked like it was dead. It was just like all wilted. And I was like, what the? And apparently I had, I had put some food on it, but I put too much. Um, mm. And so I, I, I just picked it up and I put it in the shower and I rinsed it all off. And then I came out the next morning and it was back to being this big, vibrant, bushy thing. And I was like, oh, that was easy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those, those are some kind of things that are helping me right now. It's just like journaling. I find the term journaling really fucking cheesy. I just got to say that. Like, <laughs> it doesn't land for me. You don't need to buy an expensive journal from like wherever it can just be like the dollar store a buck 50 it can be like the back of a napkin it can be like i have these things that i'm using for my uh career stories just you know like the speech cards or like what are the index mm -hmm. cards they're called sticky yeah, notes three by sticky fives. notes whatever you know like it doesn't have to be like a 50 dollar journal that you bought from whatever somebody making a lot of money <laughs> um yeah 
those things are. So I'm curious about that though, with, with the writing end of it, because we talked about that before um, I was talking about talking to yourself as a way to externalize things. Mm. Um, but then, you know, so writing does the same thing. And I'm curious, do you ever come at that from a kind of more uh, structured standpoint of like, um, you know, writing about, okay, f- what is at the root of this spiral? Mm. And then like examining kind of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the credibility or, or discreditability. Fuck discredibility, <laughs> sure. Um, of uh, of of that thought or or the root of the spiral. Uh, I don't usually, but sometimes actually do. Sometimes I will write a question out, just like, "Is this true?" I'll ask myself that, like, whatever it is that's going yeah. on in my head, which can usually be some kind of catastrophic thinking. Is that true? And ninety nine point nine percent of the time, it's not. It's just some sort of like amazing thing that I've created and because my brain goes obviously way faster than my hand can then operate a pen or even that I can speak right like the you know yeah um and and I know that's a specific thing to ADHD is like how friggin fast our brains work right so by by saying just like by just writing down is this true that can usually slow me down enough to like question things um instead of gathering internal evidence of which there is no um, provability. Um, and you know, especially if I'm in a spiral or in a bad state of mind, like my brain will go looking for that evidence to back up that feeling. So if I write it down, then it, it stands less of a chance of sticking with me. And I can usually turn a corner after that. I used to do audio notes on my phone all the time when I first moved to Vancouver. And I'm kind of leaning towards maybe starting that again, because I found that really helpful. Um, especially if I didn't have access to a pen or something and I had some degree of privacy, I could just like talk into that for 15 minutes and then I could listen to it afterwards and go, oh, good grief. What were you thinking? Why did you date that guy? What were you so hung up on him (laughs) for? You know, or whatever, right? Like just, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, uh, that's interesting. Um, one thing that I, I like about speaking versus writing, um, is because writing is so much slower, at least for me, than speaking is, um, speaking will often let me get onto quote-unquote unrelated trains of thoughts that are actually Mm. probably more related, Um, whereas I find when I'm writing, I tend to be more focused and intentional and not necessarily letting myself do those kind of lateral jumps or or Mm. start you know, um, uh, talking about or writing about things that are, again, sort of, quote, outside the scope of, of what this thing is. Um, but I feel like that there's always some sort of juice there. And, and, and often mm. you can kind of get to the real, um, the real core of things in, instead of your perceived core. So it's like, you know, if the perceived core is, is um, you know, I haven't worked for a while, um, if, if, if the perceived core of my, of my spiral about employment is that I haven't been employed by a corporation for a while, um, you know, I, I kind of have to like, um, if I'm talking about that to myself, maybe I get down a point where it's like, okay, no, the actual problem here is that you don't trust yourself. Mm. Like you don't, you, you, you don't, you don't trust yourself enough to, um, to, 
believe that you have these skills and they're marketable and that there's a marketplace for them. Like it's, it's, it's really not about the education level or the background or blah, blah, blah. Because as you said, I did this once, um, you know, Mm -hmm. those were also obstacles when I was trying to find that job and I surmounted Mm -hmm. them. Um, and, and that's something that I can do again, especially because I'm a lot more mature and a lot more, uh, I'm just, you know, I feel like a a more whole person these days. Um, and, and yeah, and so maybe that's at the core of it. But um, without talking that out with the kind of speed that I do, I wouldn't necessarily get to that point if I was trying to like write down what was bothering me. Mm, that's a really good point. And maybe that's one of the reasons I find this podcast so nourishing with you and I talking is sometimes it will point me to things that I hadn't considered or stories will spill out of my mouth just in conversation that maybe wouldn't have come out of my morning pages or I wouldn't have thought of on my own. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think there's also a lot to be said for the element of another person. Like just, Mm. I, I, we are each bringing things to the table that the other wouldn't have on their own. Um, So you not only get kind of the things that I bring up will get you thinking about other things that you may not have and vice versa. Mm. Um, but then we also get each other's perspectives on things. So, you know, um, if, if, if you're really kind of struggling with validating yourself and saying like, okay, how likely is this fear? How realistic is this? Am I just being silly? Um, it's, it's much more, it's easier to give yourself that grace when you hear the same thing, um, again, externalized, coming mm. from someone outside yourself and saying, like, no, you're doing great, like, you you are more than capable and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, that that holds more weight coming from you than it does me telling myself uh, that, yeah. no matter how big I smile into the mirror. <laughs> right, and I know that's, yeah, I see that all the time. It's just like, you know, you've got to be sort of your own internal cheerleader, but sometimes it just really helps to have somebody you trust and know who gets it. To say, no, you're actually, you're doing pretty, you're doing pretty good, Tiger. Keep going, you know. Um, it's good to have that pep talk kind of aspect to things. Yeah. Um, speaking of pep talks and things, I think we're coming up on an hour. And I'm so aware. We are yeah. indeed. Uh, I feel like we just had a really juicy conversation. This helped me a lot today, actually, because I was, I was really feeling that existential dread today. So it helps to know that. It just helps to know that you're out there in the universe doing the good work too, you know. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, so the last thing I wanted to say about kind of strategies-wise dealing with these kind of loops is, um, again, for me, this is a definite, and it also helps for a lot of other people too uh, from some of the reading that I was doing this morning, um, just physical activity. Yeah. Um, if you're really in the middle of it, um, get out, do something, do some squats, go for a run, uh, whatever it is, spiral around the room with your arms up. I was, I was doing that yesterday for a while. Like take, take your mental spiral and turn it into a physical one and just like, I love it. yeah. So I was just trying to, I was trying to shake out the numbness in my fingertips and just ended up spinning around the room for a few minutes, trying to throw my shoulders out of my sockets. And that was, uh, that was quite a lot of fun. So mm. hey, yeah, that's a, you know what, as soon as we uh, finish this call, I'm probably going to go sort of like run around the house a little bit. Um, I will add just one more thing. Um, which also sure. has a little element of self-promotion in it is, is to make some art, right? Um, create yes. something that comes from that place of concern and hurt and, uh, and 
And in doing that, you'll generally like find other people that want to help and that you'll build a little community around. And that's what ended up happening for me when I first moved to Vancouver. And I made that short film called The Spiral, which was about a young woman who questions her own memory of a romantic encounter. Um, And so that, that kind of thing can, as troublesome as that was for me (laughs) with undiagnosed ADHD to do the whole thing, but to make, to make something out of that um, can be incredibly cathartic. Yeah. Um, and on that note, I, is that, that was available on Vimeo to watch. Is that still um, up there? I believe so. Yeah. I'll go dig it up and put it in the show notes. If people yeah. Wanna, That'd be like fantastic. Eight long or something. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. Well, um, yeah, it was great talking to you, you today. Too, um, and looking forward to doing it again yes, next week. Please. Um, and, uh, we should probably say a quick, uh, shout out and thank you to, our Patreon folks. Dave, Jill, Paige, and Brianna are patrons on patreon.com slash holy shit I have ADHD. You can sign up and join their ranks for as little as a dollar Canadian a month. Uh, there's not really any bonus content yet, but um, as I said last week, there's transcripts uh, going forward for these episodes. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, more more stuff kind of coming in the future. So thank you again, Dave, Jill, Paige, and Brianna. Nice. Yeah, thank you so much. We really do appreciate you. And and I know I have homework to do on that. Um, after all the family, because my sister arrives tomorrow to do her grad school, and Osvaldo's sister and um, and his nephew arrived the following day and are staying with us. So uh, it's like family time for me for the next week. So there won't be any writing happening. But soon, I swear, I'm going to sit down and get some shit done. And it's going to be the best writing we've ever produced, isn't it? (laughs) No pressure, right? (laughs) If you enjoyed Holy Shit, I Have ADHD, subscribing to and reviewing it on your podcast platform of choice helps more neurodivergent folks find us, as does following and promoting the show on social media. A full list of platforms is on our Anchor page at anchor.fm forward slash holy shit, I have ADHD. While you're there, why not leave us a voicemail? You can also share your thoughts on this episode or your own ADHD experiences with us at, you guessed it, holy shit, I have ADHD at gmail.com or via our social media pages in the episode notes. Bye for now and hyper focus on the positive. (laughs) 